0: I shared with the uh, first the service before this, this afternoon, this little, this little act and, and asked if they, if they knew what this is. Anybody? What? No, <laughs> this is Christmas. So, Wiseman, before baby Jesus in adoration. Where is your mind at? Oh, back in the corner of our house, I heard these words. Okay, Santa, thank you so much. I'm sure the boys will love these gifts. I, I wish you could stay and, and meet them. Uh, I understand, and I, this, is, this voice is yelling, uh, wafting through the house. I know you're busy. We'll see you next year. Two boys on the other side of the house in the corner by the tree sitting hear that and squeal with excitement. And they run to that place where their father is yelling those words and he's standing in front of the door looking out, looking up. And my brother, who's two years older than I, run over there. We are 54 and 52. Um <laughs> And my father asks my brother who gets there first, Do you see him? Do you see him, Keith? And, and they're standing in the doorway. Here's Keith and here's my dad. I'm still coming and, and, and I hear him go, Oh yeah, oh yeah, there he is. And he's pointing up with excitement. And, and I come running into him and I'm trying to wedge my way between the two of them and I finally do. And, and I, I, I say, Where, Where's Santa? And I'm looking up. You did this to us, Dan, you know. He's right over there. Up there Kevin do you see in the in in the sleigh and all I remember was a bunch of twinkling stars and rather hesitantly and unconvincingly I said yeah I, I see him It's interesting I remember that very clearly it kind of marked me in a sense it stayed with me I remember the feeling you know I had missed it and I had hoped and wanted to see Santa And I remember that evening, it was a cold evening. The stars were beautiful, too, that night. It was gorgeous. And the snow was blanketing the ground. It was quiet and calm and markedly still. And my heart was troubled and frustrated and disappointed because I wanted to see Santa, but didn't. That's some people's hope is, you know, your hope is is out there and you're looking for that kind of Santa, and he's somewhat elusive. Your desires are longing for that which will meet your heart and fill it. C.S. Lewis says, Most people, if they really had learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want what they would know what they do want, and what they want acutely. Something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning, no put it in there, whatever it is, can't satisfy. And he continues, there was something we grasp at in that first moment of longing which just fades away in reality. I think everyone knows what I mean. It evades us. He's talking about hope. He's asking you to think about what you really put your hope in. What is it that your heart really longs for? What is it that you really want? Christmas is a good time to ask that question, isn't it? You ask your kids that, what do you really want for Christmas? I wonder in some ways if God doesn't come right now at this point, even maybe through my voice if I would be so blessed, and is asking you, what is it you really want? What is it your hope is really in? There's something about Christmas because Christmas is about a hope that is not a hope of this world. It is about a hope of that which is infinite, becomes finite. It's about a hope of this God who is great and mighty and sovereign and, and, and glorious and grand beyond all comprehension, becoming this God in flesh appearing before us as a little baby. And produces the stillness of our hearts, this quiet confidence. It's based on, on what can be historically verified, if you want to take the time to really look into the Word of God and, and see... Are these documents trustworthy? It all requires faith, though, whatever position you hold. It requires some faith. It's a stillness of the soul that is calmed by the reality of a ruling presence that is made known by this baby Jesus. And it's a peace that abides and transcends all understanding according to God's Word and actually guards your heart and your mind in Christ, no matter what you may be going through. This hope, this confidence, this baby Jesus allows stillness. And in some ways, I would say further than that, it actually gives birth to a stillness of one's soul that is unlike anything else this world can provide. Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says, some shepherds hurried off, found Mary and Joseph. And the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed And what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things. There's, a, there's an important but. There is this excitement and all these things going on. But this word, even in, in, in this passage of Scripture, Luke wants to catch her attention because Mary saw something incredibly deep. She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned; they were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told, just what Scripture had said would take place, just what the angels had told them. The Message Bible, like the way it says it, it says that these sheepherders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God. Their hope, in a sense, caused to carry them on. You know, like a bunch of you know, when high schoolers win the state tournament and how ecstatic they are. Or, or something really great happens and you're driving back and your car's honking your horn or you're you're done with something and you're high-fiving pounding whatever it is they're excited victory was there as the king had been born just as the angels in scripture said, we're told. But, and scriptures had foretold but this is what I want us to look at today but Mary according to Luke treasured up all these things pondered them in her heart you see when you look at this passage of Luke verse 20 Right as it comes to the end of this story, there's eight days, because verse 21 says, on the eighth day. So there happened to be, after the birth of Christ, after the shepherds had come, some period of time, it may have been within the first day. Mary is, is treasuring and pondering in her heart and holding in her arms the hope that she's been treasuring. It says, Mary treasured up all these things, almost as if, in a sense, she's taking inventory, um, collecting memories in the journal of her mind. She's, she's going over these things as she's holding the baby. And, and those of you who are mothers and fathers, as you hold those little ones, you know what that's like, As you can kind of look at them and you can begin to recall in your mind. It's like a woman maybe opening a hope chest and looking at each thing and reflecting on that memory of what that was. Or maybe you were an athlete and you were looking at a trophy case and you see these different awards that you've won and you recall when you won them and what happened. And you're just kind of treasuring what has happened and occurred. Well, Mary treasured each and every precious memory of how God had worked in her life. As only you can do after the fact. You know, some of you, as you know, when you're going through those situations in life, as you're, you're walking and you're, you're, you're walking out what's going on in your life, it's hard sometimes just to stop and to ponder and to treasure. But after the event and after things have occurred, well, that's what's happened here. It's just a day or two, maybe three, maybe four days after. And as she's been treasuring and she's pondering, as she holds the hope of the world, the hope of her life in her arms, she begins to just treasure and go over these things that have occurred in her life. Luke chapter 1 and 2 tell us about what those things are It's just a short period of time really about a year and a half When things really began to change in her life She she has an uncle and an aunt She hears about Uncle Zachariah. Uncle Zachariah is chosen What an incredible thing and Some priests are never chosen But Uncle Zachariah was chosen He was chosen to go down to the temple Down to Jerusalem and to serve in Jerusalem And to actually go into the Holy of Holies so, uh, Something that was of great great joy for all that he had done and served as a priest he would have this experience he goes in there as he goes in there he is greeted by an angel and the angel says abraham your prayer has been answered what has he been praying for the hope of his heart is that he and his wife would have a child but they're way beyond years and so he listens to it and he laughs and and he and he really is in disbelief, doesn't even believe it can happen. And it says, the angel says, you will be silent and you won't be able to speak. And so he comes out of there, no one knows what's happened. He has the motion that he's seen an angel. And he lives mute. And as that's going on, at a certain point, Aunt Elizabeth, who's way beyond years, becomes pregnant. Here is Zechariah mute. Elizabeth is now pregnant. And then she has her own visitation. Whatever she may have been doing, she may have been praying, she may have been working, she may have been playing, whatever it was. But at a certain moment, I'm guessing Mary was was in this place of stillness. And in that stillness, this angel came to her and this angel said to her, Mary, you are going to be pregnant. You are going to give birth to the hope of the world, a little baby. And as that goes on, and she begins to understand that, she has to tell Joseph, and she talks to Joseph. And, and Joseph is wrestling, and he has a dream, and in the dream he sees an angel, and the angel gives him the courage to stay with Mary and to, to marry Mary, in a sense, to say, you will go with her as she is with child. And she's thinking of all these things. She's treasuring these things. She's pondering them over in her heart and her mind because she has been the kind of person who has put her hope in God and this God is beginning to show up in ways that are just astounding her. And so Mary decides at a certain point she's going to go visit her Aunt Elizabeth who is now probably six or so months pregnant and she goes to visit Aunt Elizabeth who's pregnant. And as Mary comes into the house or into the doorway, wherever it is, and she calls Aunt Elizabeth, she calls out her name, The Word of God tells us in Luke that the moment that she heard Mary's voice, the baby in Aunt Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy by the Holy Spirit. And she's thinking about these things. And then Aunt Elizabeth a few months later has a birth and she has this son and they're all standing around because fathers usually name the children and he was mute and he wasn't able to really say what the name was and, and, and so they were wondering what the name was and all of a sudden, out of the blue, his mouth is, is made open so the words can be spoken and he says, John! Which is what the angel told him the name, the baby. Who later becomes known as the baptizer. And Mary's thinking through and pondering and treasuring these things and she thinks about the Roman census. Here she is far along in her pregnancy and these things have all been happening. She's beginning to treasure these things and ponder these things because treasuring means she's trying to understand. She's beginning to understand how God is at work in her life and she begins to realize that even though how hard it would be to go from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem, she knew because she knew God's Word so well. That King David was born in Bethlehem. And if the king was really the king that the angel said was in her, that she also would have to be in Bethlehem, isn't it like God that God brings her to Bethlehem? And then she's just now a few days away, and all these things are happening, and then something else happens. A bunch of shepherds come. Out of the blue, these shepherds come at the point or right after the birth, and they come to her and they're telling her this remarkable story about an angel came, and an angel made this announcement. And after the angel made this announcement, the skies lit up with an angelic choir that sang, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. May they know stillness. May they know quiet in their heart. May they know, may they know this God who was born in a baby represents His deep, deep love for you and His desire to save you no matter what condition you're in. He is here for you. And Mary's heart was filled with hope and her arms were filled with a baby whose actual name means the Lord saves. A very common name in that day, Jesus. But a very uncommon baby in her arms. One who is divine and yet man. You know, it's interesting when you think about this. Mary didn't just begin to treasure and ponder at that moment. The life of Mary, this young teenage girl, and I just say this to some of you who are young, it is not. Uh, I Don't wait. You don't have to go through all kinds of rebellion and do kinds of stuff. You can actually have a soft heart to God today. You can be a Mary. You see, what's so cool about Mary is that Mary not only treasured and pondered, but long before that, Mary magnified the Lord. We know that because the song that she wrote after she saw Elizabeth, and Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among all women because you believe this would be accomplished in you, which is a huge statement of faith when God speaks to your heart. Believe it. What He says in His Word, believe it. For if He says it, He'll accomplish it. And so she hears that, and and it says soon after that in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, she wrote a song, and in that song, the very first words that are recorded in, in verse 46 is, Magnify the Lord, O my soul. We know it as the Magnificat, because in the Latin, the very first word that it begins with is that word Magnificat. So the very thing that comes off of her lips that is something that has been a part of her heart and a part of her life for so much time has been this idea. Not only is she now treasuring and understanding the things that God has been doing, and she's pondering and thinking them through, but all this is a result of something that's happened far, far earlier in her life. Her life was about magnifying the Lord. Her life was, was one that, that gave place in her heart to something far greater than herself, something far greater than this world some hope beyond what we all usually might think we should hope in and Mary reveals her hope in those first words where she says, my, magnify the Lord my soul it's the time of talking to herself, it's a good thing to do talk to yourself, say magnify the Lord, Kevin in your soul, do that you know, everybody's soul magnifies something it's just part of the human condition. It's the way you're wired and designed. You're designed to magnify something. And to magnify something means to give an extraordinary large place in your life. That's what it means. You know, you've had magnifying glasses, you know, you, they, you, you look at that thing and it gets really big. The idea of magnifying, we are made in a sense as image bearers. We magnify something. We will magnify something tonight at Christmas. Your mind wanders to what you magnify when, you're thinking, when, you're, when there's nothing else to think about. Your mind just goes there. Guess what? Your desires get shaped around what you magnify. Your identity is tied up in that. Your love and your joys and your sorrows are wrapped around whether you're getting more or less of that which you're magnifying. And it's really true. It's a part of the human condition. We all magnify something. An alcoholic magnifies the bottle. A workaholic magnifies success. A hypochondriac magnifies their health or their illness. A catastrophizer magnifies worry, problems, obstacles, or things that might go wrong. Some people magnify money. Some people magnify sex. Some people magnify approval. Some people magnify security. We all magnify something. We're created that way. And what we magnify molds us and shapes us and controls us. But Mary, she treasured and pondered up these things because in her soul she had made a decision at a point that she would magnify the Lord. She knew Him to be mighty. And so when Gabriel came to her and said, Mary... You know, you're going to have this child. I, Mary's response is wonderful. Because she's shaped and she's, she's formed and she wraps herself around what she magnifies. And so she says to the angel, because of the fact that her heart is magnifying the Lord, well, whatever he says, so be it. In fact, the words are very interesting. He says, she says, behold the Lord's servant. Let it be according to your word. There is a sense that you will always serve what you magnify. You will be mastered by what that is in your life that you magnify. And what you magnify will result in, in restlessness and in anxiety. It'll re- it will result in all kinds of, of, of things that will, in a sense, cause your soul and the motions of your soul to be chaotic and painful or... You can have the choice, and we're all human, so we all magnify things that that aren't the best necessary to magnify at times. Or you can magnify this Christmas, the greatest gift that is given to you, that is God in flesh. You can open your heart and say, God, the greatest gift that I could receive is this gift that you've come to me. It's not in some relationship I can have with another person. It's not in some kind of career success that I'm going to have. It's not in my financial security. It's not in in, in something I might control. It's not in something that someone else might be able to give me. But it is in this statement of Mary that allows for her to know stillness. Allows for her to have quiet. Allows for her to bow her, her heart in peace. Behold your servant. My soul magnifies you. So what are you magnifying? You're designed to do it, so you're doing something. Mary magnified the Lord. Her mind wandered to Him when she had nothing else to think about. Her desires got shaped around Him. Her identity is tied up with His. Her joys and sorrows are wrapped around whether He is becoming more or less a part of her life. Mary magnified the Lord, and as she magnified the Lord, the one who's all-powerful, all-loving, all-gracious, all-kind, all-merciful. When, when she knew she had done wrong, when she knew she felt um, far, she knew that this God loved her and gave her peace. This God was in control. This God had care of her life. She knew that she could say, I'm your servant. And the greatest gift you can give to God is to magnify Him. And open your heart and say, I, I just want to be your servant. May it be to me in my life, as you say. Because here's the truth. You will be mastered by what you magnify. Mary goes, my hope is in you. And if you hold this baby and says, my hope is, is in you, Lord. I magnify you. And my soul now finds rest in your mighty, loving power and control over my life and this world what are you magnifying this Christmas what are your desires shaped around what is your identity tied up with what are your joys and sorrows wrapped around I invite you this Christmas as we sing this song Silent Night to renew again in your heart this gift of yourself to God that says, God, I will magnify you this year. This gift that I have is the only thing I have, and that's my heart and my will to you. I just ask that you would come in and abide with me and still my soul. I'm going to ask as yeshers come, if you would just bow your head as I pray. Father, we um, would ask that you would make large in our hearts faith that we would trust you. We are ones who bear your image, and our image can actually bring great magnification to you through the way we think about you, serve you, love you, the way we talk to people, the way we treat people, the way we look at you when we bring justice and peace, the way we actually take time for someone The way we stop and pray to remember someone in illness or pain or hurt. Our lives can magnify you. And when we do that, we are mastered by your great controlling love and power. And so tonight I pray peace and stillness and quiet and calm. not something I can give, not something some words can actually offer. It is really the presence, the reality, that you are here right now. Present for all who will in faith treasure you and ponder in their hearts about you. We thank you in Christ's name.